It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Hallelujah. Amen. So let me ask you, how many of you have asked God for something and it just happened kind of like boom, boom, you know, it just hit and, and, uh, and it happened. Amen. Praise God. We, we prayed for something the other day for our son and uh, it was one of those things that really needed to, needed to manifest fast, you know, and, and it did. And I told Sam, I said, man, I wish it always happened that way. You know, sometimes we pray and it's like a long time before we see the, the answer to that. I want you to open your Bibles to James the, uh, the book of James in the first chapter, in verse 6, he tells us something about asking. You know, well, I think one of the, probably the um, most crucial principle in our Christian living, I guess, as far as uh, asking and receiving from God, is this thing called believing. And I've taught, I taught a series on this several years ago and, and uh, talked about it many times. But I, I think the more I visit it, the more I, you know, just go through various things like that, the more important I see, uh, the, the more importance I see of us really understanding how to believe and some of the differences between faith and hope and uh, expectation and praise and where believing fits into all that. In James chapter 1, verse 6, and I'm reading from the, the uh, New International Version. Um, it says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Now, there's a good start. When you, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Does anybody find that hard to do? Sometimes on the initial asking, it's not so, it's not so difficult. I mean, it just, you know, it's, it's, okay, well, we kind of believe. But um, I think the longer the process is, it gives room for that doubt to creep in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So he says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Well, let's just be blunt here, James, and just tell us what you really think. Verse eight, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So it's really important here that we get a handle on this thing about doubt. Uh, James is pretty rigid on it. I mean, he kind of slaps us down on this thing, you know, and I mean, he's calling us names here. And he says, you know, don't even expect to receive anything from the Lord. You know, you're just uh, double-minded and unstable in everything you do. Wow. Um, is it that easy to not have any doubt at all? I mean, really, I mean, think about it. Um, and, you know, I, I think... We've had the opportunity to travel to foreign lands and um, third world countries and pray for people and, you know, a um, whole lot more compassion when you see, when you're uh, in Africa or whatever and, and you see people coming. I remember one time the Lord laid on my heart to, uh, he kept dealing with me about people that, uh, to, to give an invitation to pray for people that had hip pain because I've had hip replacement. And so, um, and I could sense that I had compassion for them. And I got to thinking, you know, when I had my hip replaced uh, up in Houston at the Methodist Hospital, had the opportunity, probably had the best surgeon that was available, uh, and um, not necessarily available, but really best surgeon for that particular type of surgery. Methodist Hospital was great. Uh, had that option. The Lord, I, I know the Lord opened all that up for me. It was a miracle that he opened that up. 
But when we were there in this little outlining area, there they called the bush region there, and, and you see about 40 people come forward, and you know, hey, they don't have access to the Methodist Hospital. They don't have access to Dr. Ken Mathis. They don't have access to any of this stuff. And so, God, if you don't touch them, who will? You know, but the other thing on that is they don't have any options. One of the things I think that happens to us here in America is, yeah, we, we have a need and something happens. And so we come to the Lord and we ask him and we maybe can come forward on Sunday and pray and, and believe. And then as Sunday goes on and Monday kind of goes on, we get to thinking about we got options, <laughs> you know. Uh, go ahead and set that doctor's appointment. Now, I'm not telling you not to set a doctor's appointment. I'm under doctor's care right now. But I'm just saying it, it's, it's a little tough because we, we have other options. If, if God doesn't do it, we don't have to really wait around. We can just go with this other option, plan B, Blue Cross and Blue Shield or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Don't get mad at me now. I'm just trying to see, put this in the right perspective. That sometimes, I mean, it has to be all or nothing, sink or swim, whatever. I mean, that, that has to be the top of our list. It's just like when... Uh, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Love your neighbors yourself. I mean, he has to be top first. It's hard for us to kind of envision that in the sense of like, well, I love Sandy. I love my kids. I love you guys. I, you know, there's a lot of things I love, but, but we've got to love him first and foremost. And it's hard to kind of distinguish that. It's so abstract. It's hard for us to put that into something, I guess, it's, it's really to visualize because we do love God. Well, it's the same thing about believing. I mean, without doubting, we've got to believe him first. Okay, well, there are some other options here, but I'm not going to put my, my trust and my expectation so much in that. I'm still going to keep my trust and my expectation in the Lord. And I think doing that is something that we really need to understand how to go about doing. And I, I believe it will really change the way that we pray. I think it will not only change the way we pray, but I think it will change the way we receive. So James says, you know, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Well, how do you believe and not doubt? It's real easy right at first because, you know, um, faith shoots in there. So let's say we come and we hear, maybe it's, it's in church or it could be a message that you hear on the radio when you're going back and forth to work or something like that and you hear something from the Lord and, and uh, maybe it's for healing and he says, you know, I'm the, the God that heals you. Maybe you hear that old song, you know, I am the Lord that healeth thee, you know. Uh, and you say, yes, Lord, well, uh, Lord, then I, I receive healing from you and you just believe and you release that, your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word. The word says that he's, uh, he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God that heals us. And so we release our faith in that, that he, he's the God that heals us. And so uh, let's kind of break this process down about believing. The first way that we start this process of believing is we hear. We hear the word and it, it creates faith. And so then it's up to us to, to make a decision. We have to choose to whether or not we accept that principle that we just heard in the word. You know, is he the God that heals? And so, and here, watch this, because here we are on this avenue, and remember Jesus said that, that Satan is a liar, and he says that he's a thief, and he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, whether you know it or not, and you probably do, but there's this, this great spiritual warfare that's raging, and um, sometimes it seems to me like it might be a little bit more political before the throne of before God's throne than it is so much uh, spectacular or like what we would think of a war with, you know, armament and all that kind of stuff. But um, Satan is always trying to come and there's a battle for our soul. And the reason for that is because our soul is very valuable. 
Jesus paid his blood for it. He paid the highest price could ever be paid for our soul. And Satan wants to steal that. And he does not want, um, you know, he, he does, not, does not want us belonging to God. He does not want us serving God. And he sure doesn't want us believing God. Because a believing believer, <laughs> a believing Christian is the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness that there ever could be, Right? So there's always this thing where Satan's trying to come in and shoot down our believing. I mean, he's got to be on it. He's got to be on it. He's not everywhere present. He can't be everywhere at the same time. But we know that uh, just as uh, the Lord uses angels men, as ministering spirits to minister unto those who are heirs of salvation, that Satan also uses those fallen angels to help take a, uh, do his job. But, so he, there's always this warfare going. So while you're uh, believing and you've heard the word of God come, then you have this aspect of Satan right there trying to bring about these questions. Really? Will he really heal you? You know, he'll compromise. Well, yeah, he heals. And, and you've probably heard about somebody that got healed. But then the question is, but will he heal you? You know, in this situation. The more we entertain that thought, the more we hear that, what's happening? What's going on? We're, he's trying to sow the seeds of doubt into, our, into this, this process of believing. That's where we have to be careful. So we have to make a choice. We hear it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the Word. So when we hear the Word of God, by faith we reach out and we say, okay, yes, God, you're, you are my healer. And so we make that choice. I'm applying this to my life, to my situation, to my circumstances. Lord, I believe you're going to heal me. We, we choose that. How many times do you have to make that choice? Well, we make it once, but there's always that reaffirmation, right? We have to reaffirm those things sometimes. I don't think it's so much about, um, because, because of the fact that, that doubt's trying to come in there and to erode that, right? We have to be real careful because, again, it's a fine line that we can fall over into about the doubt that's being sowed there. So we make this choice then, okay? Then I'm going to choose, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be responsible here. I'm going to get involved in this, this, this process. I am able to choose my response. And my response to the word of God says that he's my healer. And I believe that you're going to heal me. And so then the next step then is expectation. Because if you don't get over into the expecting stage really quick, you're going to be stuck in that choosing stage there. And you're, you're going back and forth and you can waver between. And you'll be like that, as James said, that wind of doctrine. You'll be just tossed and you'll be on, like on a, this sea up and down and wondering because you're still trying to choose. And so that's where we have to be real careful. Some people, they think it's all in the confession of like, you know, well, I, he's my healer. 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 Okay. So we got it. We got it. We got it. You made a choice, but it's not how many times you say it. It's when you believe it. And so you've got to go from that choosing stage over into the expecting stage. And when you get into the expecting stage, that's where you need to really stay. Expecting God. Now, if you expect that to happen, how does that change your mentality? How does that change everything for you? So we get over into this ex expectation stage. Well, uh, are you changed? Does it affect your mentality? Does it, check, does it affect the way that you, your outlook on, on your situation? If you're still trying to decide, you're still choosing, you're over there and it's like your tires are spinning. You're trying to get out of the, you got a four-wheel drive and you're trying to get out of that mud hole and, and okay, I got four-wheel drive and, and you're still spinning. But when you, you know, you get 
tie a witch, winch, not a witch, but you tie a winch onto the, <laughs> onto a tree up there and you hit that little button and then you hit that four wheel drive and you say, I'm, I'm coming out of this mess. You're expecting it to pull you out and you get over into the expectation stage and that's where things begin to change. But you're not home free. Sorry. Um, what, what does it say there in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 when it says faith is, the King James says faith is the substance, the very essence of things, what? Hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So faith is still working, it's still active, it initiates this process of believing and uh, we choose then to accept that and apply it into our circumstance and our situation because we have to add our agreement to it, right? Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we have to, we got to get involved in this thing. Well, if God wants to do it, he'll do it, I guess. And if he sees enough mercy and if I, you know, just can find favor in God's eyes, maybe he'll just reach down and touch me and maybe he'll just set me free and maybe. I think that's who, who James is talking about, you know. Hey, man, you're going to be unstable in all your ways. You've got to be definite in this thing. We've got, to take, we've got to play an active role. We've got to say, no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this thing. God is my healer. I choose him in this situation. My trust is in him and him alone. My, uh, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And, and be determined on that and then expect it to happen. Expect it to happen. What do you do if you're expecting something to happen? You're waiting for it. And that's why that really in, in the Bible, that, that word, those that wait upon the Lord, they interchange that word wait and expect, and expect because it's, it's synonymous with each other. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Why do you need your strength renewed? Because you're waiting. <laughs> and in that waiting process, I don't care who you are, if you say that it's not a challenge, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. But, we, but that's where we stay. We've got to stay in that land of expectation, amen? The faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. It's the evidence of things not seen. I have my evidence. I don't see it here yet, but, I, but the evidence is that I, I've, I have it through his word. And that's where we're so, um, we're so concrete on things. I have to see it with these eyes. But I read it in his word but now then, I expect it. It's the evidence of the things that I don't see. I don't see the manifestation. I don't see the, um, the receiving part of it in the natural realm. But I have to see it in the spiritual realm. And we've talked about that when you talk about faith. Faith is believing without seeing. It, you haven't seen it yet, but you still believe that that's it. It's the title and the deed. If you get a title and deed to a car, but you haven't seen the car yet... But you got the title and deed to it. You know that there's a car out there with that VIN number and you're going to go out and pick it up and that's it, right? Because you've got the title and deed to it. Back uh, oh, uh, around two, the year 2000, we uh, had the opportunity to have our granddaughters live with us. And uh, Alexi, and we call her AJ, she's in a wheelchair. And so um, it's a lot of challenges trying to move you know, that big motorized wheelchair and stuff around. So I thought, well, you know what? I just go on eBay and I'm going to watch for... Uh, a handicapped van or something to come on, uh, you know, come up for bid or whatever. Now, I hadn't really, uh, I hadn't bought anything on eBay up until that point, you know. I just thought, well, that sounded like a good deal. And so I was looking at things, and, and there was a place where you can, like, put them on a list or something like that, or you check something so that you can kind of watch them, right? Y'all know how that works? Anybody know how that works? So, um, 
Sandy had a conference in, um, I think it was out in L.A., so I grab my laptop and my stuff and, and go out there while she's in conference. I'm studying, praying, different things like that. And so um, one of the days there, I get this little notification that says, you won. <laughs> I, I won what? <laughs> what did I win? <laughs> you won. 1989, um, three-quarter tongue, you know, such and such band. I'm going, I did? Where did that come from? And I start to look, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And I had seen this band come up, and it had been a Red Cross band that the Red Cross had owned, and, and uh, they were selling it. And it was like 50,000 miles on it, and it had been maintained really good and all this stuff. But I'm thinking, wow. And it was in Connecticut. <laughs> so... So I got this van, a 1989 van, sitting in Connecticut, and I'm, i got to get it to Alvin, Texas. And so, anyway, you've probably heard of planes, trains, and automobiles. That's how we did it. We flew up to Newark, New Jersey, and caught a train on up to Connecticut, took a taxi in Connecticut over to where this thing was, and I looked out there, and sure enough, there it sat. <laughs> Big white van. <laughs> and I go, wow. Well, and then I thought, you know what? Here's a good illustration. Faith got me here because I had the receipt that said, it's yours, you own it, you bought it, you know. And so by faith, I went up there and sure enough, there it was. Now hope's what I got to have to get me home. <laughs> I don't know if you know it or not, but Connecticut is a long ways from Alvin, Texas. <laughs> and there's no way to get around New York City. You got to go right through it. Isn't that right, Paul? I mean, it's crazy. And so what a journey that was. That was interesting in itself. But I, I kind of learned a, a difference in like faith and having that, I had that receipt. It belonged to me. I just hadn't got it yet. But sure enough, it was the evidence of things not seen. There it was, sitting right there, you know. And uh, so then I had to say, oh, Jesus, you be with me. <laughs> and I, I think I heard him say, I ain't your co-pilot. <laughs> you did this on your own. You didn't even ask me about this. Sometimes, you know, faith gets us there, and we know that it, it's, it's ours, but yet we've got to have that expectation now to get us on home, get us on that next, that next phase. So we hear it. So faith activates, and we hear it, and faith comes into, uh, into the play. And then we make a choice that we're going to choose for ourselves, and we're agreeing here on this earth that, that God, you're going to bring all of your character, your splendor uh, into this arena uh, now here on earth where this is happening, and you are going to take charge and uh, surrender to you and give you all, uh, you know, uh, that you move in this thing. Walk into a hospital and say, this hospital, now we take it under the jurisdictional authority of God Almighty. He's the creator of the universe, and now he's overseeing this entire uh, facility and everybody in it. Amen. We make a choice. You know, we're gonna get, if you're going to get involved in this thing, you better jump in all the way, right? I mean, no limitations. And so you make that decision, and then you expect expect it if you say you know well i'm expecting the you know the best care and the best whatever you know uh when that nurse shows up say man god gave me the best you're the best why because that's what you prayed for right right or whatever your situation that you're believing for you know but you've got to have that expectation you've got to begin to see it maybe it's for finances and all of a sudden just a little bit comes in you're saying all right here comes some seed it's just starting to trickle in here it comes here it comes so then we have that faith is the, uh, the, the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And then, uh, then we get into this expectation, into this hope. So hope has to be there, but not a uh, kind of a wishful type of hope, but a hope that is so steadfast and sure. And look in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Turn over there and mark that or highlight it in your, your electronic Bible. But you need to have this and you need to see. In, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19... 
I believe Paul wrote the, the book of Hebrews, and, and he says, we have this hope. What hope? This kind of hope that he's talking about here, this godly type of hope, this type of expectation that says, I'm not, taking any, I'm not settling for anything else. See, all this time as you're, this process is going on, Satan's going to try, he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So he's trying to get you to completely, you know, adopt doubt and, and use that. Or uh, he'll get you to negotiate. If he sees, well, he's not going to sell out, at least we can get him to negotiate, you know. And so maybe we think, well, we've got enough faith to believe for this much, but I don't have enough faith to believe for this much. And so what do we do? We start to negotiate. Now it says, what he's talking about here, this hope, this earnest expectation for good, this hope, this expectation that I put in God and in him alone, there's no room for anything else. When Joshua was commissioned to go into the the Holy Land to begin to drive out the inhabitants there so that uh, Israel could begin to occupy that, it said, basically, and we used to do those songs. Remember, Charlie, we'd play those songs, Show No Mercy? And he was talking about, you know, show no mercy on these enemies. Annihilate them completely is the words. Annihilate. What does that mean? That's total and done. You don't leave one or two around. You know, you don't negotiate with Satan. And because little Amalekites grow up to be big Amalekites. And so no, uh, no negotiation. When the doctor was telling me that... Uh, they, their diagnosis was stage four can, liver cancer and pancreatic cancer, uh, then uh, stage four colon and, and a tumor in the colon. Then he says uh, it's gone, spread to the lymph nodes and, and then into the, the, they said implants in the peritoneum. I guess that's little pockets or something. I don't know what, what a, I didn't, I've, I've got hip implants. I didn't know you could have implants in your, inside your belly. But then, and then some little spots up your spine, all this stuff like that. And so, uh, then a little later in the conversation, he was, you know, I said, well, so what's your, what's your protocol? What's your plan of attack here? Well, we're going, you know, you got to go after the most aggressive first and that's the pancreatic cancer. And so he's doing that. And so I said, well, what about the lymph nodes? He says, what's a lymph node? <laughs> he's, he's from the Bronx. He's a Jewish uh, doctor from the, from the Bronx. What's the lymph node? I said, well, it's my lymph node. <laughs> you know, it's my lymph node. That's what it is, you know? And he says, oh, well, you know, we're not worried about that. And I'm thinking, well, I am. And I'm not going to negotiate. I'm not going to just settle for one thing. It's going to be all or nothing. There's no, no tolerance for any type of, of cancer cells left behind there, you know? They can be hiding over here or hiding over there, but nah, we ain't taking any of that. No, annihilate them completely, you know? So basically, he came down to the thing, well, it's pretty much then uh, gastrointestinal. We'll just call it that. So I thought, well, cool. I'm just going to get all that new. And, and uh, in 2002, I had my gallbladder removed. So I'm thinking, hey, God, throw a new gallbladder in there too. That'll really, man, that'll throw them off, won't it? <laughs> that'll throw them off. Well, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, this is the hope, the expectation. It says it's God and God alone. There's no, there's no backup plan over here. However God decides to do it, God, you can do it. I'm not going to tell you how to go about doing it. Just like, you know, Jabez, bless me, God, bless me a lot, you know. And uh, I'm not going to tell you how to bless me, but I, I'm asking you to bless me a lot. Well, Lord, you do it and you take care of it completely. I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, but, but I'm expecting you to do it and I just turn it all over to you. I'm not worried about it. Well, that's this, this hope, as he says, for he says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Now, why do we need an anchor? Why do we need an anchor? 
Because Satan's trying to get you out on that. Remember being tossed about by every wind of doctrine and everything, all these other things? He's trying to get you over there on the, the stormy waves of doubt. But i got to have something that holds me to the inside, to, the, to that uh, holy of holies. And this hope, it says, uh, as an anchor for the soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, where this battle's playing out every day, 24-7. You know, click, 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 second after second, minute after minute, hour after hour, this thing's going on and it's happening in your mind and in your will and in your emotions. My will has to be steadfast saying, no, God, it's you. You're, you're, you're it. You're, you're my only uh, expectation. My mind goes back and forth. And so where does Satan come? Where's the battlefield that, that we engage him? In our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Our emotions can go whatever. You know, something can set us off and we can get real emotional about something. And that, if we're not careful, that can affect what we believe. And we're supposed to believe without doubt. If something starts to affect what we believe or how we believe, now then, we're getting on shaky ground. Can't afford to do it. So my soul needs to be held steadfast. It says, uh, it says an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Firm and secure. Man, when I put that anchor of my soul into the Holy of Holies where Jesus went to that, to that throne room of God, he says, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Grace is his favor. And I need it right here in this time of need. So that's where I have to go boldly before the throne of, with full confidence and assurance, full expectation. Come boldly before the throne of grace. If you are fully expecting, not doubting, and you know that you know that you know deep down in your knower that God's going to do it, when you come before the throne of grace, you can come with confident assurance or expectation that God is going to, that he's already done it. Somebody ought to give the Lord praise on that. So he says that, um, he says it's an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Wow. It's unmovable. It's unshakable. You know, he holds me. I am held in, in him, in his hands, and uh, by his word, by his, prom- by his promises. That's what holds me. That's what wraps me up and, and holds me secure is the promises of God. And then Jesus, because he, he went there to this Holy of Holies and he sprinkled his blood just like they used to on the mercy seat. But he did that and he did it for me and he did it for you. Amen. The blood of Jesus, it bought and paid for you. You're not your own, you've been bought with a price. Amen? Amen. And, you know, Satan doesn't have the right to come and tell you what's going to happen and what's not going to You know, you belong to Jesus. Yeah. I think the last message that I preached before things kind of fell apart was up here. And one of the things I said was that, you know, uh, I, I don't need to talk to the devil. And these times that we're going through, this, this time of where he's trying to uh, discourage you or cause you to doubt or bring fear, bring worry, bring these things on you as he's, you know, lying to you. And, and you know how to tell when he's lying. When his lips are moving, yeah, that's what Roberta said, because he's a liar and the father of lies. And so why would you even listen to him anyway? And that's what I was talking about. And then I said, you know, that, so if he's got anything to say, it's just like if you have an attorney and you're in a court of law and they start to come up to talk to you, says, you don't, no, don't talk to me, you go talk to my attorney. 
That's Jesus. He's, ever, he's make, ever making intercession for me before the throne of grace, before God's throne. He's the one presenting my case. And he's saying, you know what? You know, I've already purchased healing for him. I've already purchased healing for you. I've already purchased your prosperity. I've already done, uh, worked out the plan for your life that says that, that you know, my plans for you are to prosper. Your, my plans for you are to, to have a good life and have success. And Jesus there, he's already, you know, he's saying, here it is. It's already settled. You know, I did it. You know, by, at the cross, when I shed my blood, that signed it. I, I paid for it. It's done. In Africa, they like to, they still have that old procedure. They, they like, they, you know, they had the British occupied them for until like 1965. And so you still go there and there, they got those big old rubber stamps and those pads. Anybody remember when they used to do stuff like that around here? And they'll... Okay, is there anything left to see? <laughs> you know? But I, I can just see this big old stamp before God's throne where Jesus takes or that <laughs> and just goes boom and stamps and says, it's, it is finished. It's finished. Amen. And so that's who you can talk to. And I think that I mentioned, I said, and devil, if, you, if I got anything to say to you, I'll write it on the bottom of my shoe because you're under my feet. You don't need to talk to him. You don't negotiate at the table where the devil has set it up because, you know, he's already got it rigged. It's ridiculous. So Paul says, it's this hope. Uh, he says that, that that is an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary <laughs> behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Let, boy, if that don't... Light your fire, your wood's wet. I'm telling you, he's already gone there. He's already done it for us. On our behalf, he's presented that. It's settled and done in all eternity. Why should we doubt it? See, we've got to get out of the natural and get into the supernatural. You know, reality is what we perceive it to be. Well, I mean, no, wait a minute. Let me back that up. Reality is reality. You can't change reality, right? But... Reality for me and reality for Tim can be a little bit different in the sense of how we perceive the situation or the circumstances that's going on. Based upon my paradigm or how maybe my viewpoints, how I was raised, my background, whatever, I can see something and I'm thinking, you know, uh, uh-oh, this, those guys are, they're up to no good. And Tim might be thinking, oh boy, we got some people to witness to right here. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Now, what's the reality, you know? Well, the reality is these guys are out there and Maybe they don't, you know, maybe they look pretty tough. But the reality is maybe they need Jesus. But I'm thinking, you know, uh-oh, you know, they're up to no good. Let's see where we can, where's, where's my exit, you know. And Tim's like, man, how can I keep these guys from running off? <laughs> and so uh, we got to be careful because of how we perceive things. Well, then what do we have to do? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world, the world viewpoint, all these other viewpoints, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get rid of those old paradigms, those old ways of thinking and looking and get a new perspective. And my perspective then, how I perceive things should be based upon the Word of God. And the Word of God says that I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm set free, I'm blessed, I'm a child of God. Then when I adopt that into, that's how I perceive things, whatever I come up against, I can then apply those things and say the reality is the, uh, the, the Red Sea has to part because God has already called us to go over this direction. But Red Sea, the water doesn't part. Well, in 
my reality it does. <laughs> when it's, when it's God, when in God's reality it does. Sun doesn't go back 10 degrees. Well, when God orders it to, it does. Uh, water doesn't change to wine. <laughs> well, you know, when you perceive it to be that way, whenever that God changes it. See, in the supernatural realm, things change. And people, we got to get rid of our stinking thinking of where we're thinking along the line of what this world, the limitations of this world, and get our eyes upon him and see that there are no boundaries, there are no limitations upon God and upon his word and whatever his word says. That's what I have to adopt now as my reality, no matter what anybody tells me. And bless their hearts, they mean well, and they want, you know, to, to help you, but yet they're, what they're telling you and the advice that they're telling you is based upon their perception of things. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lifechristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day. Thank you.